Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Have you ever felt like you've tried everything to heal from the pain of sexual abuse? and yet nothing seems to really be helping. Well, one of the reasons why most people struggle to break free from the pain of past child abuse is because the techniques out there are positioned as a one-size-fits-all answer. What I want you to know is that there are actually three distinct phases on the path to recovery, and I'd love to share with you about these phases, what issues you must resolve to move to the next phase, and what kinds of support you'll need in order to move forward as quickly and completely as possible. The road to recovery is much easier when you know what stage you're in and what to do next. So don't hesitate. Go to www.rachelgrantcoaching.com checklist and get your nine-page guide today. Now, on to our show. Welcome everyone to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. Most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant, and for those of you who don't yet know me, I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007, and I'm the author of Beyond Surviving, The Final Stage of Recovery from Sexual Abuse. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at rachelgrantcoaching.com. 
Now, one of the things that you all know that I love to do is bring world changers onto this show. People who are really out there uh, doing amazing work and taking up a lot of space and making sure that this conversation about healing from sexual abuse continues to be in view. And so I am very excited to have such a woman with us today, Nicole Mullen. And she's going to be sharing with us a simple guide to healing for survivors of childhood sexual abuse. So to tell you a little more about Nicole, she is a seven-time sexual assault survivor beginning in early childhood. She emerged more resilient than she could have imagined by diving into a mindful healing process, which we're going to certainly talk more about today. And through her journey of healing, she's become a yoga teacher, mindfulness teacher, and motivational speaker to teach others how to create a thriving future for themselves. It's her life's purpose to help those with a chaotic mind, boy, we know something about that, don't we folks, to find peace and obtain bliss. Yes, Nicole, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you for having me. I'm so super excited to be a part of your show, and I just can't wait to talk more about everything. Yes, for sure. So let's get right to it. Um, I want to, first of all, just explore, you know, some of the, the challenges that you've personally faced. Um, it's, you know, looking at a, a history of childhood abuse that is, um, you know, involves so many layers of sexual assault. I can imagine that you've had a few obstacles to overcome in your journey. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, those challenges and what life really was like for you. And then, of course, importantly, we're going to talk as well about how you overcame those struggles. Absolutely. You know, I'll definitely I'll kind of get back to the beginning. So my first assault was actually by my grandfather. So it, it was incest, which was pretty traumatic and difficult. Um, any sexual abuse is definitely traumatic. So, but that was from an early age of, I say nine, but really it was right before my ninth birthday. So um, I kind of always took that part more intensely than my other sexual assaults. Uh, that was not my first one. I actually experienced several more, as you know, by the number seven throughout my lifetime from uh, people I had encountered throughout my journey. So, you know, with my grandfather that came, the issue of trust was such a huge uh, problem that I kind of ran into throughout my life. Um, also, being sexualized at a very young age was a, another major problem, which kind of turned into having complicated relationships with other people throughout my, my adult life. So um, one of my biggest things that I will say that I've struggled with is self-sabotage, which I think like any other, you know, whether you had a traumatic experience or just other mental health issues, you kind of face self-sabotage as a struggle throughout your lifetime. And it's a constant process of checking in. So you know, I definitely, I started my healing process um, actually with my husband now when we were dating, he kind of brought to surface some things that we had encountered throughout our relationship. And, you know, I wasn't ready to face my struggles. I really didn't think I had that big of a problem. I just kind of tried mm -hmm. to shove it down. Mm -hmm. And then I went on Google and like I say in my TED talk, I searched for an advocate in my area because I just felt like I should. Um, so when I met with an advocate, which was incredible because she put me with a therapist and I had been looking for a therapist for quite some time, but none of them kind of felt right. Yeah. And that's one thing I will say is you have to find a therapist that you feel 100% comfortable 
with you, you know? Um, sure. So when I found mine, I actually, I, it took me eight years, eight years of recovery, eight years of showing up and going through the therapy sessions, eight years of doing the EMDR and the exercises and eight years of practicing my tools that I had to recover from my triggers. And so it definitely was, it was very challenging and I, I never would wish that on anyone else. Um, now, one thing I always I always say is I swear the healing was worse than actual assault uh, because it, I had to dive into every single crevice that I was trying to hide and bury. Oh, sure. Um, but it was totally worth it. So I I had to I had to learn the importance of checking in with myself and being kind to myself and you know self care is so crucial. So I, I teach that to everyone I can possibly meet and talk to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, just by going back in and digging into my tool bag whenever I would relapse or have the trigger, it, it has been my saving grace. So, yeah. Thanks, Nicole. You know, just hearing a little bit of your story and your journey, I think, you know, certainly a piece that I identify with is that time in the process when you're trying to, like, pretend that everything is okay. <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to look at this. I don't want to deal with it. Sure, you know. And oftentimes it is a person in our lives who kind of sees us suffering and sees what's going on for us that reflects for us, hey, you know, there might be there might be something worth, you know, here and worth looking at that gives us that little nudge to and encourage and support to find it in ourselves to take a look at what is very hard um, to take a look at. I totally hear you when you're talking about this feeling of, my gosh, you know, these experiences were difficult, but the process of working through that can have so many different layers and can be really taxing. And I know for a lot of my clients, and certainly I felt this way too, there's also sometimes this feeling of like, this isn't fucking fair, right? Like I am the one who is hard. Right. And I've got to do this work. And I'm the one who's sitting here still unraveling it all and putting in the time and the money and the energy. and so, you know, all of those elements, you know, come into play in a process of, of healing. Yeah, anger and grief and frustration, you know, it's like you're just beating your head against the wall and trying to find a solution, but you have to break past those points, so. Yeah, and you mentioned a couple of different um, modalities that were helpful to you. So like EMDR and working with a therapist who you really liked and trusted. And I know that mindfulness is also a key piece. You know, I'm sure in your work, walk in yoga, this has really come in, you know, more into your view. And and so let's start off with just your definition of mindfulness. What does that word even mean or represent to you personally? Right. So mindfulness to me is is turning inward to check in with yourself. So for me, mindfulness is if I am, say, at a restaurant and I'm getting frustrated at, you know, maybe my food came back a couple of times, then I am going to ask myself a series of questions. I always say it's self-investigation is what I call it because it's like you're investigating your own mind and trying to figure out how you operate. And so, for instance, if, you know, my tacos had something on it I didn't want, then I'm going to be like, why am I even upset about this? Like, what? I'll call out the emotions, you know? Um, and then once I know, like, okay, I'm frustrated, I'm angry that the server, maybe this is the third time it's come back or something, and I'm hungry at the same time, right. <laughs> kind and humble to myself, um, but I call out the emotions, and then I just kind of sit with that for a minute, and I let it soak in, and I, I take deep breaths, you know, 
So that's an example of like how I would practice mindfulness on the regular is just is turning inward, asking myself questions to try to figure out where my mindset's at and also like try to give myself the patience and the permission to get past it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I think when we're in such a fast paced world, we encounter so many different difficulties throughout our daily lives, whether it is a trigger from our sexual assault that we had experienced in the past, or maybe it's just something with work that we're upset about or we have too much on our plate. Yeah. You know, then I, I definitely think just being patient with ourselves and taking one thing at a time and knowing that the rest will come, but honoring where we are at, at that moment. So, you know, with every single trigger, what I had to do during my recovery process, because I wanted to be healed. Mm-hmm. I was like ready for everything to be done. Like you said, you know, like, why do I have to deal with this? Why am I the one having to do all the work when I didn't commit the crime? Um, and it, we want to be. I wanted to be an adult and I wanted to get past it and start my life. And so I had to, I had to start pausing and accepting that, okay, well, maybe I, I want to be well into my career or in a happy relationship, but instead I'm in therapy sessions twice a week. Um, then I would just be like, okay, well, this is where I'm at. This is me now. Yeah. So my now became, you know, breathing through a trigger, um, journaling, uh, you know, taking the time and and the care I needed, you know, maybe that means taking 10 steps backwards, you know, one week or one month or uh, knowing that I'm burnt out over certain therapy sessions and I need to take two months off. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I do. Um, That's mindfulness to me is just being kind and humble to yourself and patient and forgiving. Oh, also forgiving. And just know that you are now where you are now. You're not in the past. You're not in the present and just do what you need to to get through the moment you're in. Mm-hmm. Thanks for, for sharing that, Nicole. You know, what stands out to me, two things really kind of come forward from what you shared there for me. So first, this idea of self-awareness and looking inward and beginning to get curious about the way that we are interpreting the world around us and the way that we're responding, the way that we're thinking through a situation or thinking about ourselves. I think for a lot of survivors, myself included, there was this time in my life where I was just kind of on autopilot. You know, all of the belief systems and all the reactions and behaviors that had been born out of this experience of trauma were just very automatic. I wasn't thinking about it. It just was there and in, in the process. And in many ways, I felt at the mercy of that, like I didn't have any say about it. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we can certainly do through mindfulness and building our toolkit and the process of healing, I believe, is to start paying attention and noticing what is actually going on and also beginning to understand the amount of a kind of authority and choice that we have in those moments to respond and to take care of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, go ahead. No, sorry. Um, I, what I was going to say is, you know, I, I think it, it takes a lot to be able to notice when that moment comes on, too. You know, mm-hmm. like you said, you know, we have authority of ourselves. We have authority of our mind and our lives and what takes place. And so when the trigger or something we're experiencing comes up, sometimes it's very easy to let it overwhelm you. And then it kind of ruins that day or ruins that week and puts you in a funky mindset, you know, Mm. but the important thing is, is knowing that, Hey, you can pause it if you want to. Yeah. And I'm going to come back to this thought in an hour from now and, and dive into it when I'm in a safe place. Mm. You know, and like I said, just, 
but just give yourself that permission. I, I so I, I completely agree with you. Like we are the authority of our of our space, of our mind, and knowing what comes up. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love this idea of like, hey, I can put a pin in this. I don't have to process it or deal with it right this second. I can wait. I can come back to it later. That's right? really powerful. Yeah, I dig that so much. Hmm. The other thing that really stood out to me from what you shared is this idea of self-acceptance and accepting the situation as it is. While you're still continuing to strive for what's next, continuing to move forward, but just appreciating, look, this is where I am today. This is the work that I need to do. This is what's on my plate and what's in front of me. And some days I might be okay with that. And some days I might be pissed off about that. And some days I might need to take a total break from it. I call those recovery timeouts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we need that because if every day is about internal investigation and practicing tools, like we're actually, you know, missing out on living. And I think we want to strive as much as we can to live even while we're in that place of recovery and exploring and investigation. So I love kind of the, the frame that you're bringing to that process of acceptance and patience and forgiveness. It's really powerful. Yeah. Thank you. Mm. So let's explore a little more deeply this idea of self-investigation. You've already given us a few little nuggets of kind of how you might do that over your tacos, which I can feel you on that. I'll be hangry. <laughs> Give me my tacos. <laughs> <laughs> but let's explore that. You know, what are some, maybe we can give our listeners some really specific examples so that the next time they're having a moment, they have some specific questions or tools that they can use along those lines of self-investigation. Right. So for an example is one of my biggest triggers now towards, they say I'm in post-traumatic growth is where I'm at now with my recovery process. But I do see little like pockets where the PTSD kind of starts to come back and I feel like I'm relapsing a little bit. Um, and I, I noticed that mostly whenever I'm watching movies and I know a lot of survivors can kind of, kind of feel me on this yeah. for a trigger, but you're watching a movie and then there's always a sexual assault in every single movie I feel like hmm. and that will just totally put me in a funk and, and set me back. But it's, it's really difficult because what if you're at the movies with, you know, a friend or, and you have this night planned or and what if it's your birthday and you didn't plan on having this type of trigger. Um, so for me, you know, it was so it was so hard in the beginning because it would set me off. Right. And then I had to, you know, take a time out. So I would either excuse myself to go to the restroom mm. or I would just like, now I'm, I'm more comfortable with my husband um, since the beginning of my recovery process. So now I'm just like, Hey, I need a timeout of 15 minutes. So what I do is I excuse myself and I go and I create a safe place in my mind. I use some visualization, you know, I know that it's just me, um, so my kind of safe thing is I'll either put a hoodie over my head, makes me feel close in, it's nice. Yeah, and nice. And, and maybe you're in a public place and you go to the restroom, but what I do, I just want to check in with myself. So I ask myself, what in that movie that, what in the movie had the sexual assault, what about it was specific to my sexual assault? So what about it has made me feel as triggered as I did? Because we all know some triggers can be small and some can be bigger. If we haven't healed through all of them, they might feel more intense than the ones we've done some work on. So I will pull out the similarities. And it's very hard. You know, it, sometimes it can be painful. Um, and then I'll ask, okay, well, you know, what about it? 
what emotions did I feel about it? So now I know the specifics of the triggers and now I know the emotions that had came up. And then why is it that the emotions made me feel the way that I did? How can I proceed like away from them so that I don't feel as triggered next time? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll think about that. And so I'll allow those to kind of boil up in me and I'll take a few deep breaths. Because uh, it's once I believe that once you create an understanding for why you feel the way that you feel, that you can kind of heal past stuff. I kind of learned it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's similar to the EMDR. I don't know if you've ever practiced that, uh, but what it would be is you pull up the emotion when you're in a in a painful experience, like when you're remembering a painful experience, and then the therapist calls out an emotion. But it kind of step, puts a stop in your tracks so that then you just kind of sit and think on it for a little bit. Um, so it's like once you remove yourself from that memory and you detach yourself and you can understand that you're not physically in it anymore, because I know with PTSD, what it is, is you feel like your mind and your body, you, you tense up and you feel like you're there again. So it's like you detach yourself. So you're in a safe place to evaluate your emotions and, and the pain that you're experiencing at that time. And so just create the detachment, ask yourself some questions. How is it affecting me? Why is it affecting me this much? Um, how can I move forward? And then take a few deep breaths. And what we say with energy in our in our bodies and our mind is, you know, when you feel that, that sigh of relief mm-hmm. from taking a set amount of deep breaths, whether it's 10 or 20, but making sure you get that breath fully, that is that is the energy passing away from your your body. It's releasing out of the point that it's in. So that's what I do. I just ask myself a series of questions. And then I allow the memory to just kind of release itself out of me. And then, you know, after doing this a handful of times, it's, it's very effective for me. It's one of my tools and I'm able to not feel as intense when that experience kind of comes forward again, another trigger. Right. Yes. Oh my gosh. So rich and so wonderful what you've shared with us there. One thing that I really love about this particular practice is stepping away. I know so many survivors, they start to feel something and then they just kind of white knuckle it. Like, I don't want to make a scene. I don't want to like all of that stuff, but really giving yourself first and foremost, that permission to step away from the situation. You know, everybody needs to go to the bathroom. It's a great one to use, (laughs) you know, and there's step outside. And if you do have somebody that you're more connected with or trusting to say like, hey, something's coming up. I need to go take some time. The other thing that really stood out to me from what you shared is in this moment of feeling triggered, a lot of us will go to the place of what's wrong with me. This shouldn't be happening again. Oh my gosh, you know, this is terrible. And we go right into that place of shame and blame and making ourselves bad and wrong because we're having a response and reaction. And I love that what you're offering here as an alternative, which is so powerful, which is instead of doing that, to just sit with it, get curious about it, look at it, break it down into its parts, and bring some love and acceptance, you know, there, along with that breathing. Yeah, really beautiful. Now, Nicole, yeah, um, I know another big piece of your work and something that's really important to you is self-care. And... um, I know for a lot of people these days, self-care has become this woo thing, right? And it's like, oh, everybody talks about self-care. What does it even really mean now? Um, And then also a lot of people are in the space of, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. And 
I wonder if you could break down for us a little bit about, like maybe share some of your self-care practices, how you make it doable, how you weave that in, um, and why you think that's such a key piece for healing. Right. So I think self-care, whether it's internal or external, is one of the most crucial things you can do for your healing process. If you can't be able to add a couple self-care things into your routine daily for yourself, then it's going to make, you know, healing and your recovery process a lot more intense than it should be, or than you would want it to be, I should say. So, you know, for me, I noticed that whenever I, and I'm I'm a mom, I'm a student, I work full time, I have my blog, I'm a yoga teacher, and I'm about to open a yoga studio, I just have way too much. (laughs) Man, girl. I don't know how to stop. It's totally a problem. But, you know, what I do, I do when I start to feel like really stressed out, it's, okay, well, what haven't I been doing lately that I know makes me feel good? Mm-hmm. Have I been drinking enough water? Have I been making sure that I eat? Because I can make sure everyone else in my family eats, you know? I make dinner and everything. But am I feeding myself the type of foods I enjoy? Um, are they healthy? Do they fuel me? Um, am I going on walks regularly? I like to go on walks. So I kind of just like say, okay, well, I feel out of whack and I'm all over the place. So here's my Mary Poppins self-care bag. What am I going to dig out and pull out to help me? I love that. Yeah. So I I really think that's the most important part of our recovery process, you know, is learning how to care for yourself. And, you know, I was actually recently ran into an old friend that is a sexual assault survivor and she was having a hard time. And with being comfortable with her body because a lot of times we can feel like our body's not ours and one of the things I told her is why don't you why don't you take a nice shower and lock your bathroom door and you're in a safe place and then when you get out of the shower and you get dressed I want you to take the lotion and just rub lotion on your arms and your hands and take time really putting it on don't rush through it and know that it's your hands touching your hands and okay. rubbing the lotion on and you know, taking that type of self-care and taking the time is self-care, taking the time to give ourselves, you know, what we need and, and deserve. So I, I really think that is like the most crucial part. So whether it's like a tiny minute of, you know, maybe you read one page in a book today and that's something you enjoy. And maybe next week you read three chapters. <laughs> um, you just have to find where it fits in your schedule yeah. And make sure that you make time for it because no one else is going to make time for it. So I tell people to pencil yourself in. Mm, yes. Yeah. And, you know, the levels of healing that we're working on when we do these little self-care practices run very deep because it is about connecting back with ourselves. It is about prioritizing ourselves, honoring ourselves and all of those different levels. And, you know, I think self-care can take anywhere from 30 seconds to hours. And what I've noticed in my own journey is when I take those 30 seconds, that it actually fundamentally changes the rest of my day. Just 30 seconds of being and doing something for myself at the end of the day, taking 30 seconds to do a little self-nurturing practice. So it doesn't have to take a long time, but it really has so many benefits that you might not eat. A lot of people, oh, if I can't do like an hour, then it doesn't matter. And I guess what, I'm, what we're both offering here today is like, that's not true. Any no. moment in self-care is a powerful practice and makes a big difference in how you feel and in your day-to-day. Yeah, totally. You know, like, however you can get it, take it. Yes. <laughs> you know, 
can write yourself a note and put it in your lunch for yeah. work. You can write yourself a love note and put it in lunch. Yeah. You know, it's like we give it to people all the time so easily. Mm-hmm. And it's a question for you is like, how many things do you do a day for other people, whether it's a stranger or work related or family related, that something they could be doing themselves where you could be utilizing that time for you? Yeah. So I think it's really important to kind of look through our daily routines. And if we say that we don't have time for self-care, well, if we don't have time for self-care, we don't have Mm self-love. Because I feel like it's the core to self-love is taking care of ourselves. We're the most important person because without caring for ourselves, we can't care for anyone else. It's kind of like that airplane, um, you know, (laughs) that's right. That's right. Uh, and yeah. so go through your day, come through it, and like with a fine comb, and see where you can take a minute here, two minutes there, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. So I hope you all are feeling encouraged today, who are listening, to find some little ways in which you can practice more self-care because you are going to be generating self-love, deservingness, all sorts of things as a result of that. Now. One of the other things that I wanted to explore with you today, you know, when you share your story and, you know, this process of healing that you went through, you know, over the course of eight years, and I would say, you know, something similar for me from the moment when I said, yes, this, I'm going to look at this, I'm going to deal with this. It was probably like my early twenties and it wasn't until kind of like my mid twenties, early thirties when things started to really click into place. So this is a, you know, this can be a journey and we bump up against things in that process. We have lots of successes and moments of like freedom and insights and like, whoa, okay, awesome. That feels like that's changing and evolving, but we can also hit roadblocks. Moments in that journey when we're feeling like this isn't working, nothing's changing, what's going on here? And I'm wondering if you have any words of encouragement or insights or things that you did yourself personally when you hit those moments that helped you keep going. Right. So my my biggest thing is, and this started from a really young age, is I used to I used to sit and just think about who I would be one day. Granted, who I pictured is totally different than who I am now. But that's <laughs> I love my life, you know. I wouldn't change any of it. But I would sit down and I would, I would picture myself, you know, as an adult, after college, what career I would be having, what would I do in my free time in my own living room, yeah. Yeah. you know, I, and I would, I would plan out all these details and I would get so fixated on it. And then, you know, anytime I was stressed out yeah, as a child, I would kind of go back to this place of imagination and, and visualization. And then now, like years later as an adult, you know, I still hit roadblocks. I hit roadblocks all the time. You know, I, I make a joke in my TEDx talk. Um, you know, if you've failed a class 10 times, you know, it, it, you got to get past it somehow. You can't just give up. I actually, in college, I couldn't pass a class, and I took it five times. And, you know, eventually I just took the, the placement test all over again, and I had got to pass the class. I didn't even oh, have nice. to pass it. <laughs> You found another route. Yeah, yeah so good. It's all improvising and, and it's all yeah. patience and, and, and going through stuff. So, yeah, I would create this future self and I would remember her all the time. I didn't, I didn't want to be sad and stuck in a place forever in my life. My, my perpetrators, they don't deserve that. What I deserve is I deserve happiness and, and to be an exceptional woman. 
And my per perpetrators cannot take that from me and they never ever will. And I will not give them that service, whether they're dead or alive. And it's my time. This is my life and I'll do the work. I'll show up. And then when I need to, and I hit those roadblocks, I'll hop into my Mary Poppins bag and I'll move forward. Yeah. Thanks, Nicole. Man, you know, such a word of encouragement because, you know, our lives have been impacted um, by the abuse that we've experienced, but it's still our life. Absolutely. It's created and we get to take ownership of that. And when we can stay in that place of vision of what we really want and to keep stepping a little bit each day. And when we hit a roadblock, you know, maybe there's a detour, maybe there's a way around it, find a different path and keep coming back to, re to realizing that, um, you know, I think that was a really strong motivation for me in my own journey. I just did not want my grandfather and the other people who had abused me along the way to win. Yeah, you know, I just wanted to, to st take all of that back and own and reclaim my life and be able to say that, you know, you impacted my life and you had caused the detour for a while, but I came back to me and I came back to home at the end of the day. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you own your life, no one else. Yeah. So, Nicole, tell us a little bit about how people can get to know you better. How can they connect with you? What sorts of things um, are you offering? What sorts of work are you doing these days with survivors? Of course, yeah. So, I actually, you can get in contact with me by, you can email me at info at NicoleMullen.com, and my name is spelled with an H, so it's N-I-C-H-O-L-E-M-U-L-L-E-N.com. Or you can go on my website, NicoleMullen.com as well. Um, I also have a TEDx talk. Uh, it is called Becoming Resilient Through Self-Love. I do a workshop called The Hurting, The Healing, The Whole a few times a year. I also teach at local yoga studios, and I'm going to start in the Hillsborough County because I live in Tampa, um, a gel system for inmates actually doing it. So that's my next step. So, But you can go on my website, and you can book the workshop through that for me. Um, I change my dates frequently. And it's very interactive. We do some journaling, some different listening exercises to ourselves. Some, we teach you different visualization meditations. And we do a whole section on patience. <laughs> so, nice. you know, it is definitely, it's very, very uh, filled with information. And I try to make it to where you can have a self-care plan when you leave. So it's internal and external self-care I teach. Nice. The goal. That's awesome. So I love this TED Talk. I really encourage everybody listening to go and check it out. I will link to that TED Talk here in our show notes. Um, I'll also link to Nicole's um, email and website so you can follow up with her and um, stay in touch. So, um, Nicole, any final words of wisdom for our listeners today? Yes. Don't give up on yourself. You matter. You are incredible. You're an exceptional human being. And God or whoever you believe that made this beautiful universe put you here for a reason. And don't let the people hurt you keep you down. You deserve to be up. Yes. Cheers to that. <laughs> I second, I second, I second. <laughs> so, Nicole, it's been such a joy to have you here as my guest today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rachel. You're welcome. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in and joining us today. Uh, don't forget to visit rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and explore the other resources that are available on the site. And please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a note, and come back next month. 
because we have so much more to share. Until then, take good care of you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.